Hi, I'm Ricardo Deacon. Hi, I'm Orlando Guinness. Welcome to Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and then we meet to discuss it. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. Uh, and this week's film was chosen by Orla. Yeah. It is Wildlife from 2018. She loves those new releases. The synopsis is 14-year-old Joe is the only child of Jeanette and Jerry, a housewife and a golf pro in a small town in 1960s Montana. Nearby, an uncontrolled forest fire rages close to the Canadian border. And when Jerry loses his job and his sense of purpose, he decides to join the cause of fighting the fire leaving his wife and son to fend for themselves. Suddenly forced into the role of an adult, Joe witnesses his mother's struggle as she tries to keep her head above water. Hmm. That was decent, I would say. Ish. <laughs> Ish. Ish. Is it like it's a very low bar that is trying to clear. <laughs> the uh, credits are directed by Paul Dano, produced by Oren Moverman, Jake Gillingall, River Marker, Anne Rourke, Alex Sachs, Andrew Duncan and Paul Dano. Screenplay by Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan, uh, based on Wildlife by Richard Ford, starring Kerry Mulligan, Jake Gillingall, Ed Oxenbold and Bill Camp. Music by David Lang, cinematography by Diego Garcia and edited by Matt Hannon and Lou Ford. So, Orla, uh, why did you pick Wildlife? Um, I don't. I only watched this really recently. I wanted to get it at Christmas and couldn't. Um, I'd wait until it came out in DVD and blah blah blah. But I was really, really looking forward to it. I remember that like it has one of those trailers. It kind of reveals stuff, but not you know like it's. I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm psyched for everything that this is like showing me um yeah and when i watched it then i just i i ate it up <laughs> just every delicious drop of it um like of this obviously this is a film like it's saturated in a lot of the themes that we like that we've discussed like the american dream masculinity particularly this era in history as well um what i what i like about this is how i feel like they're more evenly given like weight within the film it's not just a film about masculinity with like this setting or whatever i feel like he's he's he kind of like created the world around the themes but i think like what really stood out to me in this film particularly as a directorial debut um is there's a real like like elegance to what's on display like there's there's like a care and a consideration and of like of having someone who has like both a love of acting and cinema and like really putting themselves out there to try and craft a film and that's it's something that's really nice to see in film anyways but really nice to see in particularly an actor turned director because that's not always something that works out um it's just it's it's a very like for something that is um uh like well melancholy <laughs> at the same time there's a kind of a warmth to it it's it's, it's like it's, it's just it's jumping off the screen at you um yeah like when you like in a way it's not surprising when you think of paul dano himself like obviously someone being passionate or you know eloquent or whatever doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to good filmmaking because filmmaking is a very particular skill um but then you think of paul dano like his past performances of like you know, you get the feeling that even from something as early as like, um, you know, Little Miss Sunshine or whatever, of like the care and the time and the craft involved in it. Like he, he's that kind of actor that, you know, maybe sometimes they end up a little bit typecast, but at the same time, he's able to like, he's able to play like he's a real like, character actor, I think. But I'm not sure if you've seen like interviews with him, um, you know, even just like talking about dp30 the fucking youtube fucking channel <laughs> that i always sell like his interview with paul dano with it the, wasn't about well like yeah. he might have uh him on for wildlife uh but the one that i watched was about love and mercy yeah he did a lot of, he did like because that even around like sundance and stuff i think he did a lot of interviews but um yeah like there's actually a really really good one with um him and joseph gordon levitt randomly um of you know the actors on actors thing yeah uh, which often don't work at all they're gushy and weird but um i'm not a massive joseph gordon levitt fan and he was talking about um the film of the, the fictional version of man on wire yeah you know not a movie that i 
saw up or that thought was very highly regarded and you know but it's actually it's a really really nice because Paul Dean is a very kind of like you know he talks about like he's talking about love and mercy um really really interesting about how they made that film but even just yeah. very like open very like curious and he's like, really good also in the hollywood reporter round tables uh the, do you know the hollywood yeah, reporter yeah. Round for table? for this or for no like uh, i didn't watch this season's round tables yet yeah uh, but i think it was for what was it either love or mercy or shit he did one i can't remember what was the the movie now but he was in one of them i think it was for supporting actor yeah but I can't quite place him. Yeah. And but very, very engaging. Very, yeah. like, just someone who's able, you know, like, say actors who can talk about a role or whatever, but to really, like, talk about the craft of filmmaking and, you know, working with directors and everything. Like, he's really, really interesting guy. Um, but, yeah, like, um, there's one, um, uh, where did we I think it's him and it was, I think it was at Sundance, um, you know where they have the kind of like Sundance studio where they do interviews with like oh you know those are the actors and the director yeah. or whatever and um, he, he spoke like really like eloquently about like the pro- like the process behind making this film especially about like working with actors and like having to step into that role of being able to like trust yourself trust your actors and it's it definitely I'll, I'll definitely link it because it's really really interesting just even about like acting itself yeah and like Carrie Mulligan's there as well and like she actually knew her they were friends um she's talking about how like strange it was to work with someone who was your friend and now taking on you know that it's really really interesting um but what she actually said she's like um the reason why she trusted him to do it is because his instincts were good. You know, like, the not just of, like, you know, because when you're a, a debut filmmaker, you have a lot of people around you to help you. Very strong cinematographer here. Like, you know, there's a lot of people around you that are, you know, it's, they're sort of bolstering you a little bit. Um, but that, I guess that's a good description, I think, because I don't think you can make a film like this and, because I don't, I like, I don't think this is a perfect film at all, but... I, I just there's there's something in it that I don't think you can achieve without instincts you know those instincts that some people just have <clears throat> and uh what I fucking what I love about this is like the atmosphere of it like there's a real like just from the first frame and like it's a it's a combination of things of being evocative of the era but it's not sh- not in a showy sense either it's because it's rural montana as well it's it's it hasn't bit, changed much. yeah it's a bit it's a bit more removed obviously there's the costumes and the clothes in the house and i do think that the art department is fucking amazing in this like definitely like not just of like carrie mulligan but like even the change in their clothing and like you know it it's, it's just as beautiful to watch but like the way he creates the space the the framing of where his characters are the blocking of his characters like you know like it's 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 a very like acting movie but i think in a good sense <clears throat> because it, there's a strength around it as well um yeah so it, it feels like it feels accomplished in a lot of ways um and I, I think even though it is a melancholy movie it's like it's a strangely like enjoyable watch because it's you're immersed in the world of it for some reason i was thinking about revolutionary road because it's not a dissimilar time it's a slightly different you know of people on a slight like more middle class say than they are of you know of like living in suburbia and like that felt very even when that came out that felt cliched and the way that madman never did of having you know the, the dissatisfied wife from like you know getting married in the 1950s and having the whole ideal this is kind of doing something different um uh, also, Revolutionary Road is a fucking horror show. <laughs> Such a fucking oh god, depressing movie. Um, but I enjoyed the feeling of uh, the kind of claustrophobia of this, and of a kind of a of an underlying dread that exists of both in society and of the kind of turning point that this is, because it's like 1960, and of people being left behind by like progress, and you know, it, it's and then the of of the like falling apart of the characters who are not in control of their lives of and like you know obviously our main way into this movie being through this young kid who's at the you know this the precipice of so many transitions in his life of not only becoming a teenager becoming an adult but of also of like his the you know having to move to a new place of his like the breakdown of the relationship the 
um, like there's there's kind of there's there's like something there's like dread in the air and I'm like really oh really enjoyed um yeah like I I think in a way like for me probably the weakest part of this interestingly is actually Gyllenhaal's character um I think that he is most powerful when he's not there I think his absence that's the best that for me that's the best part of the movie um I think he's I think it's a good performance I think for me it's it's the it's his sort of like oh op- like the beginning of his breakdown I feel like I needed a little bit more from that character and I think as well like the scene with him like setting fire to the house it doesn't quite work for me um I do think that the subs like the scenes afterwards and then the ending like we'll get to that um but yeah like Mulligan and um what's what's the kid called Joe I think are are for me much more interesting and like they're the way they're initially developed and then the further development of their characters um and like once he's gone but the presence is there always um because so much of this movie and he actually Jano talks about the editing choices that they made of how the scenes where it he lingers on the face and it made me think actually of you know like that scene in the road that you always mention about yeah. like the coke and everything and like having focusing on the wrong thing okay just to, oh, so yeah, sorry, people right. <laughs> get it is that I, I think that the moment that i learned uh of editing for the how it like how a scene can work of it, because yeah. of editing is uh when you see incorrectly like they say that you learn a lot more from watching a bad movie than yeah. a good movie and i think that the road is generically uh, in general a good movie the soundtrack is great the performance is great but there's a scene in the road that uh vigo mortensen gives his kid a coke can of coke and the kid drinks it and the editing focuses on the kid drinking yeah which is like okay the information that you're getting there is the oh yeah it's bubbly it's sugarly I never yeah. had it or whatever. Mm, yeah. But the weight of the scene is the father remembering that and also noticing that the kid doesn't have the association with Coca-Cola it's a whole new, that he yeah. has. <clears throat> that is like yeah, the nostalgia the child, of it. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like this realization that the world once was okay. And the film lingers on the kid and not on Viggo Mortensen's face. Yeah. And it's also it's like that kind of thing that you know that is an editing choice because you know that you would have gotten that information yeah. from Viggo's performance because he's a great actor. Yeah. It's not like if you put a Keanu Reeves there that mm-hmm. I like, but sometimes <laughs> yeah. he can't emote, <laughs> then you have to like edit around the actor. But it's not a mistake there. It is yeah. a decision. And I think that, uh, yeah, the like it's the difference between that and then something like, um, um, uh, let's say, Coen Brothers doing mm. uh, No Country for Old Men. That is a masterpiece of editing because the movie changes the meaning of the movie, even though it's completely faithful to the source. Yeah. And that people go, oh, it was such an easy adaptation. Yeah. Because it's almost word for word the novel but, but at the same time is that they make decisions yeah. that changes the meaning of the situation yeah cohen's being masters of framing and yeah. character like setting up characters with very very little time as well and there's the difference between like a great moment of filmmaking and the one that is just good yeah is that you can't say that that moment in the road is a bad moment but it's one that could have been elevated and the yeah. materials were there it's like somebody that just missed a pinch of salt or a crack of pepper while yeah. cooking. And it wasn't condimented. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think so. Talking about like uh, two scenes that I think are really great. One particular um, of when he comes home and tells her that he's lost the job, and how much of that like that scene is like. First of all, I I think that scene is is fantastic. Like because this film is a it's it's small mo- like a lot of it is small moments that are much like they're they're the the powerful center of the film i think beyond and like obviously there there's like arguments and there's a lot of talking and you know this is, most of the films people in cars in rooms talking um but i think one of the, the best scenes is that scene in the kitchen where it's the facade of the whole thing that they're both maintaining while 
at the, you know, that it's slipping, but the focus on the kid in the other room as he is so privy to the, the intimacies of this relationship and like that, I think like, obviously part of it as well is that it's a very good performance from him, I think. And it, it, the age of him is, is almost perfect as well of being 14 you know, he's not seventeen. He's you know, but he's not twelve. It's 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 a very interesting age of one that is very uh, few films pick a yeah, fourteen I was year old. Thinking that it's kind of interesting, really, of, of and that he has a kind of a like like you know he, he's a, he's a mature kid, but at the same time, the it's the confusion of what is occurring in his life, the destabilizing nature, the slow destabilizing nature of these small events. And him trying to piece his way through it and focusing on him in those moments is, I find, really interesting. In the same way of how whenever um, his, like, um, Jake Gyllenhaal confronts him about what she was doing with your man and how that linger on Jake Gyllenhaal's face. It's, and like, it's, it's, it's all close-ups. And I, I think they're, they're really interesting decisions that I find really, like, fascinating. Like, everything, everything is just sort of, like, often below the surface, but there's it's there you know what i mean it's hinting at something um yeah so like i think as a a directorial debut like it's falling into certain pitfalls and but i feel like there's there's just so much good shit here that it's it's the kind of movie where like where he does a debut like this where you know you're longing for the next movie you know what I mean? It's like, what? You know, obviously we can't go on as well without mentioning that he co-wrote this with yeah. Zoe Kazan. Uh, who I, she's really great. We watched The Big Sick recently, actually. Um, she's a good writer as well. Like, yeah, uh, well, she, I think she wrote Ruby Sparks, which yeah. is a film that doesn't quite... Thank God it, it was a woman that wrote that yeah. fucking movie. <laughs> Otherwise... Yeah, it doesn't quite hold itself together, but it's a very interesting premise. It's a very interesting performance she does as well. And, like, I think that's where they met. And then they wrote this over years, kind of, like, they do a bit, you know, they're not quite together, but, yeah. So, side notes, <laughs> the clothes, the hair. <laughs> I love all that shit. The set design. It's actually the same guy who did um, art department on The Old Man and the Gun. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so the, you kind of, yeah, like, a, yeah, definitely. So, and even just, like, you know, the way that the passage of time is dealt with through costume and, you know, like, like the use of kind of montage and stuff. Um, uh, oh, yeah, also, like, nostalgia and, like, you know, the transitions of childhood that I think are, it's, it's such a, it's a real rich subject to tackle on film, particularly of, like, you know, this almost like a coming-of-age movie. And, yeah, I just... I was watching it again, like I watched it yesterday, and um, I like, yeah, it. it I just want to like jump into the film. <laughs> um, and I just, I love Paul Dano, and it, it made me really happy that I really enjoyed this because you know I had kind of high, high hopes for it, and when someone does such a nice chap, you're kind of like, come on, and you watch it, and you're like, mm. so uh, without further ado, Ricardo, what oh, do you think? Yeah, uh, first of all, like. Um, it's kind of well, you mentioned Paul Dano that I, he was one of those actors that I always figured that he was going to end up directing. Yeah, uh, but well, that's interesting. But mostly it was uh, not because of anything he said in interviews or whatever. It's more that his choices as an actor, yeah, always fit the overall film. Yeah. So it's that he has an understanding where the film is going. Mm. Uh, so even like Eli in uh, There Will Be Blood and uh, Love and Mercy and uh, and uh, so on that like he has ch- he makes choices that um, perhaps wouldn't work if he didn't understand the overall idea of the movie. So obviously it's something that also the director would have chosen and stuff. Yeah. But it's almost it's something that either from the conversation with the director he was able to get. Or that by his choices, the director realized that he got it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's um, it's in a way different to uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis fucking knocks it out of the park in every movie. Mm. But he's just focusing on his role. Mm. And the movie has to be built around his performance. Because he's going to do his thing. Yeah. But Paul Dano seemed to be more of a modular actor. Kind of, the, he's able to see the big picture. Mm, that's and, interesting. And even the the way that he's able to, with somebody like Daniel Day Lewis, play against him to make the scene work. Yeah. 
because it's very specific what you have to do for to make it work. Yeah. And you know that Daniel and Day Lewis is going to Yeah. Well. And you know that Daniel Day Lewis is going to do his thing. Mm. So like no matter how much Paul Thomas Anderson is a good director, mm. Daniel Day Lewis is going to do his thing. You can help him block, <laughs> you can help or whatever, but it's going to be a Daniel Day Lewis performance. Yeah. But Paul Dano also seems to be a lot more you know, and and even his yeah. choices of people that he's worked with, yeah. and films that he's taken part in, and the even the the care on press tours on getting the meaning of the film across, mm. that is not just about his performance. Yeah, is that he's trying to to make. So I wasn't surprised when it's just sorry. Just it's interesting you said that because in that interview I was talking about um, with uh, with uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. He um he's talking about how in, in Love and Mercy like the scenes in the studio when they're recording pet sounds and it's all mad and everything um the like they had you know certain obviously there's a script and like whatever but an awful lot of that was just him working with the band and like starting and stopping and sort of giving the scene direction yeah which I found quite interesting of like because that that's like one of the fucking best bits in the movie like it's he's so. You know, and he's like, you can see him like feeding off the other people yeah. and, and like bringing stuff out of them and everything. So, yeah, it's interesting that you said that. And uh, it feels that also that like he's always been like, a, like, especially for directing actors, that uh, you require that understanding of what the other person is doing. Yeah. And I think that like really great actors, that people, that's why Philip Seymour Hoffman, I held him in a higher regard than somebody like Al Pacino or Robert De Niro, or yeah. whatever, because he's a reactor. Yeah. But other actors like or actresses are not able to do that. Yeah. That they're doing like their thing and then you have to cast around that. That's why like there's great casting directors or whatever. So I thought that uh, he eventually would get to direct, but I didn't think it would be this soon. Mm. I'd say I thought he's quite be... young. Like... Yeah, yeah, like he, he's 30 something, I think mm. now. Um like, it was good as well with this movie because I watched it with Alex. So it was yeah. good to have, like, um, we didn't really discuss it because I wanted to have a bit of a fresher take yeah. on the movie. But we talk about a bit, like, other things that I wanted to see if it was the only person that saw it. But after watching it, there was, like, today, there was, like, one little bit that I was trying to, you know, that sticks in my crawl. It happens sometimes. <laughs> Uh, similar to the thing with Into the Wall and um, and Leave No Trace. Yeah. That this movie uh, reminded me of a line in a Roger Ebert review. Mm-hmm. And today I got quite emotional because I thought that Roger Ebert would have loved this movie. Oh. And I was like... I think you're right. Yeah, that it would have been like the thing. And the line was about uh, the Tree of Life. I literally was thinking oh I was going to I was literally about to say the tree of life because I was only thinking about the tree of life yesterday. this is movie is pretty much the tree of life with a plot yeah uh, and not <laughs> dinosaurs uh, uh, mother mother forever I struggle with you but uh, there's a line in the review Roger Ebert says about tree of light that he loved it because it was both very specific about somebody's childhood Mm. but also very specific to his own childhood, even though he grew up in a different area of the country in a different small town or whatever, that is like universal kind of small town life. And the thing that he said uh, about the uh, Tree of Light that got him was the sense of overhearing an argument in another room. Yeah. That you that it, it transports you back to when you were... It, like, it's something that all of us heard. Yeah. Or parents struggle with something or uh grandparents or even I literally have one of those in my head that's so funny you know what i mean the, it's like even when it's just a party mm. that you're sent to go to bed early and the adults stay drinking playing cards or whatever and you hear them and it's like it's the adult world yeah and then and you become just, older and you're older just you're just outside it and mm. you can kind of understand it and you're able to have a relationship with adults now that you're like 14 in this case but you're just outside it so I, I thought like about uh, not like cinematography wise there are moments that it's quite Malik like yeah uh, especially yeah, how the, the house is shot the driving yeah. scenes as well yeah, but the, the driving it reminded like especially when they're driving to the fucking forest fire I just started hearing the soundtrack for the fucking shining in my head <laughs> because it's exactly the same shot and everything <laughs> 
<laughs> and then it reminded me at the end of the uh, cinema release, the, the director's cut of Blade Runner, <laughs> that they used the they used the uh, B roll of <laughs> The Shining for the shots at the end of Blade Runner. Oh god! Uh, I the music as well, like oh. But the 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 weirdest thing about this movie, though. Is that I went in like pretty much. Uh, I remember watching the trailer years ago and uh, being quite struck by wanting to watch the movie. Yeah. But then completely forgot about the existence of the movie until you picked it. Yeah. You know that kind of. It's that movie thing. though. Yeah. It's, like definitely, it's that movie. And uh, when I started watching the movie, I was like, "Oh, this reminds me of something." What? And then when the credits rolled. Is that it's based on a Richard Ford book? I've been reading the fucking that was last. One of my questions. I've been you... reading the the Bascom trilogy. That like even in the script for the film they were making, like I, I mentioned Richard Ford. The she's reading the sports writer. <laughs> oh my yeah, God, yeah. That's so funny. So like, I didn't, I didn't connect those things at all. Uh, it's because he only read, wrote two novels there, not with the uh, the frac frank bascom character mm. which is this and one called canada that came out in 2012 so yeah connections uh but the thing, i am so sick of canada but the the thing is that like somehow like it, it's such a good adaptation that i thought like somewhere in my crawl i was like this reminds me of like richard ford and then like the credit come in came out and i was like fucking of course so like like they caught so so they clearly like even though i haven't read wildlife uh they clearly caught that essence there yeah and i think that all the uh, like it's gonna sound uh that i like the film less than I did because mm-hmm. uh, it's a matter of like nitpicking and whatever. I reckon that the issues that the movie has is not uh, directorial, is in the screenwriting level. Yeah. Uh, especially like even though I haven't read the wildlife book, I reckon like in reverse engineering, uh, knowing how Richard Ford writes, mm. that I see how it's both a great adaptation and the issues come because it's still... It's a good close. adaptation yeah and um part of it like uh the i really did like was the the performances of course they're really great and to be honest i loved the jane gillingall both it's character not, it, and performance i think not that, that it, i didn't i think it just in comparison to the other two to be honest my problem was more with the carrie mulligan character okay, the Jeanette well, character uh, and I'll get to it. Like the 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 thing with the Jake Gyllenhaal character, and I think that was part of everything. For one, just to, before I forget, is the it's always interesting seeing uh, actors that has have worked with like really uh, great directors, and then seeing them shoot scenes that are similar to, uh, one, and it reminded me of the master when they were shooting. <laughs> yeah, oh the, God, yeah, the yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, uh, and then on uh, separate note uh, is the choice of casting bill cap as well as uh, mr miller yeah that I he really plays like the dad in love and mercy oh fuck because all i was thinking because he's in um uh the looming tower that's yeah. the last thing i've most recently uh, seen he was him, in molly's game as well yeah he, he's he's really yeah. like he's one of those actors like yeah you like know, he's solid. a character actor but he's can... given what i like about his character in particular in this is that he's given wreck he's well rounded yeah. i think and like you know well before you get to the point of like where he's talking to um the kid at the dinner yeah. table and everything like he feels like when they go to his house his house yeah god the art department that house though like everything about he feels real and like the oh the scene where he opens the drawer and oh, like the, the the thing that reminded me of the the bit when they go in the house and stuff and, and ends up that he's having the affair mm. is that it's almost uh, they expanded the character of the principal and the and Forrest Gump, the the principal has sex with Sally Field, and he comes out sweating and goes to Forrest. Your mama sure cares about your education, son. <laughs> and so he just gave him a character. Yeah, like it's kind of like, but like rounded, but at the same time fucked up kind of thing. Uh, but the Jake Gyllenhaal character, I really, really liked him because for a moment I thought that it was a bad performance. Mm. Until I realized both because of Paul Dano as an actor 
his choices as an actor. Mm. And then Jake Gyllenhaal and how modulated the performances. And then I realized that the whole theme of the film is about performance. And yeah. I think that maybe that's why Paul Dano was drawn to the material. Mm. Because both Carrie Mulligan and Jake Gyllenhaal are playing characters. Yeah. They're playing the version that they think. So even though like Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't have the backbone. Yeah. Like he pretends that he has the backbone, but then it stops I being... I love those first scenes, though. Yeah, like when he's in the, the car and, uh, and uh, Joe comes up to the car and says, oh, they rang, they realized they made a mistake. Yeah. And he says, oh, I don't want to work for people that way, uh, uh, for people to think that way. Yeah. But it's obviously um, almost because he knows he's going to fuck up again. Yeah. But it's like this idea that he feels that that's what he should instill in his son. Yeah. Rather than what he feels, the, yeah. yeah. And I think that even the, the thing of going to fight the fire, that is like Being the manly man, thing, yeah. that is like, I'm not going to work in a bookstore or whatever. And also of like leaving your, your problems and stuff, but also being like uh, fulfilling your duties, let's say. Mm. And I think that the scene that really encapsulates that is when he kisses his son and he goes, you know, the man can love each other. Yeah. And then he goes and I think it's like that moment that is like I want to be a more quote unquote progressive father. Yeah. I want to be more like a friend to you. But that's not the role of a father as I see it. Yeah. So it's like this little moment that the the veil slips off. And I think it's the same as when he burns the house. Mm. That is like the thing that uh um like a man that has been lost the trust of his wife should do yeah so like, rather he, than because he he bails on it like yeah he, yeah and it's kind of the, like at the end he's like even with the with back with his wife try like worried about his son where did he go etc so i think that that's uh like a great performance that they uh but at the same time is that if you don't feel that it's on purpose and you can never know uh it, it's like no, I think even whenever you talk, there's definitely interviews with um, Jake Gyllenhaal as well. Um, he, I think he knows what he was yeah, doing. It, so you like, get that sense from it, definitely. And I think, I think a, I, yeah, I, I can't. I'm trying like, what is it exactly? It just where because it's not it's definitely not his performance and I, I, I agree with you of like how it's, it's, why it works so well is because they're both doing it as well. Yeah. And I think you know, and it's when. Well, I think I like about those those opening scenes is that feels off. Just something yeah. is off, and it, it, it's it's I, you're not, you're trying to put your finger on what it is, but it's it's the it's the masks of of like what they're wearing. But then that juxtaposed with the kid who doesn't quite realize yeah. that there's anything wrong of this like happy life of like starting again in Montana and everything. You're like, oh, maybe I do want to play football. I don't know. And like, what I like as well is the. The like particularly the juxtaposition of like the three of them, and like there's one um, like trio of scenes where he's sitting on the bench at the football game, yeah, and he literally just picks up the ball and throws it to them. Um, the Jake Gyllenhaal character is um, you know with the guys like the the golfing guys, um, and just gets completely shut down by his boss, like yeah. in, in the and in a very like demasculating sense, particularly that these these are like kind of older sort of you know like. Not southern gentlemen, but you know what I mean, like men, men of wealth, um, and yeah, like and then her, with like the the check bouncing, yeah. and like being you know and like making conversation with this woman and it being you know like if it's the the three I I really but, it, but like but the bit with Jake Gyllenhaal then as well the when he mentions the football is the like it made me think of like this. Because it's a very similar plot point and similar characters in a way mm. that is interesting. The uh, Joe seems similar to Jake Gyllenhaal's character in October Sky. Yeah. And you have like the Chris Cooper character that is like his dad talking about he should play football. Yeah. And you see the difference between the Chris Cooper character, how he describes why he should play football, mm. versus the Jake Gyllenhaal character. The uh, Jake Gyllenhaal wants to. Uh, he says, like, he's not worried about him being a good player mm. and getting in the varsity team or whatever. It's like, are you making friends? Mm. You should talk to him because that's the way that he knows how to make friends. Yeah. So it's like because it's 
like alien to him to think that you can just like make friends reading books and yeah like uh it's doing like trying thing. trying so hard to be this kind of uh, this other person yeah. but only being able to do things in the way you actually know how yeah and like wanting the best for him but having no true method of communication with him because you your own like you know development or way of seeing the world is so narrowed by yeah. like you know your generation you know of, of what he grew up with of like you know we you get the idea that like they've been on kind of a tra- this trajectory for a while of him fucking up and yeah they, they, i think like the and then you also have the, the when he's getting fired the the again like the directorial choice that uh, lingers in joe's face you don't see jay getting fired you can't even hear it really it's yeah like you kind of like yeah. in the in the background and i think it's the like perfect because the scene again the coca-cola scene in the road that that scene is about joe yeah taking in the he sees his father getting fired and i think part of his reaction of not taking the job back is because joe was, was there. there yeah so it's kind of like i can't walk it back let's say because otherwise he could have pretended there was something else kind of misunderstanding yeah. or something else but like uh when it comes to the carrie mulligan character mm. at the same time is that because i didn't remember the trailer yeah and when I started watching the movie, I started getting like a, a couple alarm bells going, oh, no, it's going to be one of these father bad, mother good, <laughs> you know, kind of like simple stories. Uh, I don't know why I thought that, because in the trailer, uh, it doesn't come across Yeah, but that. like, when uh, did you watch the trailer, though? Yeah. <laughs> like- but Alex rem- remembered that she goes like, oh, in the trailer, it was clear that yeah. it was going to be a different type of movie. So... Uh, clearly like I brought it into the movie myself but that I liked that she's also um, but my problem with her character is that it's too quick see that's how I felt about Jake Gyllenhaal a little bit no because for me is that that was inside like from the very first frame I I saw that in his performance I know what you mean I, I don't know I think it's like I needed a little nugget more or something. I don't think it's like what the. F- I don't think it's. Yeah. It's not jarring at all. It's just I wanted a little bit more. What I liked about her transformation is that, in a way, it's kind of quick, but it's the way she does it, though. It's the language that she uses. It's it's the way. It's almost as if she's like a naughty schoolgirl or yeah. something. The way she's like you know. I'm just going to tell you this kind of thing. And it's like, it's this, it's this like, it's an interesting rather than just like wearing the clothes and yeah. going out drinking or having sex or whatever. It's her, her change in her relationship with him. Yeah. Not just him like, you know, watching her do going off doing stuff or whatever. It's like, of uh, yeah, I find like the way like she, that, that she starts talking to him of like, you know, oh, we haven't been intimate or whatever. It's like these incredibly like, ridiculous things to say to your son but it's almost just yeah, but, but, it's almost it's like she's like for you know she's forcing the relationship forcing like by, him. by the stage that that point uh when that point is reached in the movie yeah i think that it's uh laying enough for the movie the point to to happen it's not and it's not even that the the change of buying new clothes straight away and stuff like mm. that it's more that how can i put it is the either Again, it's because of the adaptation issue that mm. I think that it's that the movie perhaps I don't know if it's completely faithful or not because I haven't read the book, mm. but it feels that it is. It feels I like think, an adaptation at times. I think it is, yeah. And I think that by compressing, because I know that uh, Richard Ford as a writer is very specific about mm. moments. He lingers on moments forever, like the scenes go on forever in his in his books. For to to capture the moment, and I think that in the best moments of this film, it captures that. Mm. But I think that because it's going beat by beat, it misses something. And I think that the biggest problem of the movie is the running time. I think mm. the movie would have been every single issue that I found with the movie would have been fixed either with the uh, longer running time in the movie, but then uh, it's uh, an issue with pacing and stuff like that. Mm. But I think that especially with how tv is nowadays i think it would have worked way better as a three Ooh, episode miniseries 
because also like i think that would have, i agree uh, with that i definitely. think it would have helped also but to create the distance of jake gillenhall being away mm. that if you have a middle part that he's not in it at all yeah uh, you also as a viewer have a the gap time. between the, yeah. the 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 movie to sit with oh, it the same way God, when you're reading yeah. a book even you know like something like all of ketteridge or yeah like any of those really good hbo where you're everything is given so much time yeah yeah, because I do think that like, I mean, because it's not, it's not a short movie, but it's only like it's like an hour and 45. Yeah, or, it's or an hour something. and 45. And so all the moments that are taken out of the movie mm. are of what I figure it's probably in the book. But I reckon that even if it's in the book, the movie needed mm. are the moments of mundanity. Yeah, because like the parts in the school and work really, really works because it feels like yeah. just his life. The swimming pool and everything. And yeah. But when it comes to his relationship with his mom in particular, that's why I thought that the Jake Gyllenhaal worked better mm. as a character. And uh, his arc and portrayal and everything is better. Because even though he shares less screen time, mm. the moments that they share doesn't seem uh, story necessary. Mm. Is that like when she's there kind of already with the dress it's like okay that's the point of the character doing this and then with the mr miller and then you know there's mm. like a, that is always a create like that they do say that every in screenwriting that every scene should have a purpose mm. but sometimes the scene is the purpose of the scene is just to show what the, the life yeah the life or is the, yeah what the status quo is mm. and i think both for if the shit because Jay Gyllenhaal's performance he never really <laughs> where he saying his name sorry, okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, because uh, the the father character uh, he never completely slips off of the character mm. while she does I think you needed a little bit more time to because it's such a good performance that she's given that he's not mm. in the sense of like the character not the actors that her performance as the good housewife mm. is far better than his performance as the good husband I know and mean, I think that yeah. then her performance should be either like stretched out to be a bigger shock when mm. it happens that she starts going. And I don't mind that it's too quick, like from one moment to the next, because sometimes it's like you're in bed and you go, I'm going to change things. Yeah. But is too quick in the sense that you don't see uh, because Joe in his performance, he goes like he's shocked and it's great. But as an audience member, I like because I didn't know her before. Yeah. I'm like, if I need if I had that little time, even like in between that is like the scenes when she's taking him to the fire and stuff is great. But it's like making a point, a thematic point. And sometimes it's like not every day while Jane Gyllenhaal was away. Yeah. These things were happening. Yeah. And I think what makes what happens is that it contracts the amount of time that Jake Gyllenhaal's character seems to be away. Mm. because it seems that like things are always happening yeah well like the biggest thing that you notice even like that i went away for a month there to to uruguay and we had the break to the fires <laughs> yeah uh, to the fires in uruguay well like there were floods in uruguay but i did nothing there unfortunately <laughs> uh, but uh that i felt like as the time passed it was like the mundanity of getting used to the fact that i was there yeah after like two or three weeks that it became like almost like a routine there. And then you realize how much time has passed. Yeah. And I think that is like, it's really catching when he's going to school and stuff like that. And the idea of the snow or whichever, but it is, um, I think even on the, even a little more clarity, let's say, since she's being open, to, even a scene going like, oh yeah, we only have like two weeks of money to last us. So we have to, do this mm. like to have a clear because it's already kind of the end of summer when yeah because uh, the, they're the talking far, about yeah. like you know the snow will no. come down yeah so you know that it's like he's away for like a month or two at this time but you don't know where within that month things are happening you don't know mm. if it's this in the beginning or something and i think that it's punctuating the movie with that and then again it's like having the room to make the movie breathe because i don't think 15 minutes would have fixed it yeah i think that the movie needed another hour but then it would have been like a three-hour movie drama whatever you can't fucking sell that yeah 
So no, I think the miniseries, particularly a three-parter. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of even like Mildred Pierce or something. Yeah. The, the remake with um, Kate Winslet, which is I think four parts yeah. maybe, and it's like it's the right amount of time because it's like covering so much of her life and. Um, yeah, God, there's been some really good literary um, adaptations. Actually, I think that was HBO as well. Yeah. But um, or even like um, no, it's not an adaptation, but something like uh, Show Me a Hero as well of of like having the space to really like delve into like not yeah. just the theme of that of of like you know, hero and savior and you know failure and everything, but of getting to know that character because that's have you seen that? with uh, Oscar Isaac like it's a movie where of a person yeah, really want to yeah it's to really see it. really good but you need time there for yeah. to see of who he is at the beginning of yeah. like this before your life kicks the shit out of him yeah basically and it's it's a it's oh god it it's a brutal watch in a lot of ways because it's but at the same time you'll want to move to Yonkers and also the yeah. with the with the Carrie movie like I do appreciate that it's the point of view of the the son yeah but also because, like, if the movie was purely the point of view of the son, we had the discussion between me and Alex that there are scenes that he's not in. Yeah. And I think that since that has been established, I think that we one or two moments through, could have been... Yeah, because yeah. we see her through other people's eyes as, as well. well. So, yeah. So, so like, I, I think that, it, like, even through his eyes, like, if, let's say, after she's been completely supportive to about Jenkilingal getting fired mm. if he left to have a cigarette outside and she suddenly kind of like the mask nearly slips off and she kind of puts her face face in her hands or mm. something like really small even like just look away into nothing you know no nothing massive no crying nothing whatever <laughs> and then he, it's i don't know i i definitely got something of that i think you're right that she she feels more together than he is yeah. but i still think in that scene that there's something there is something yeah missing but it, i think it's because she goes on such a left field turn mm. but it like even where the character ends that she decides to leave joe behind yeah and i think that um uh, at no point in the movie you realize where, like, I thought that a part of it was interesting, mm. but then I realized that, like, my, don't know, again, if it was lost in translation, also, like, it's not, I was surprised because it's not Richard Ford's best reviewed film, book, so maybe that's why I didn't, like, it wasn't on my radar, let's yeah. say. But that, um, is that, ambiguity is not a problem yeah when i know that it is on purpose and i never quite figured out if it was on purpose or not uh, not knowing what she felt about joe yeah because like i felt the ambiguity like the both the ambiguity and the complexity of how she feels about jake gillingham's yeah, character and her life in general yeah situation and, and i really like that aspect mm. but because so much of her is revolving around Joe is that you know like it's just putting him in the situations that she puts him in like it's that like mm -hmm. I can understand her going with Mr. Miller to safeguard her future and stuff like that but the idea of bringing him, him in yeah. there and then and then very self-consciously keeping mentioning his father mm -hmm. in front of the guy that she uh, he yeah, knows that so fucked up and like it made me like like it's a scene that is intentionally awkward yeah so i don't have a problem like i hate it watching it yeah but, no it's awful oh god but um <laughs> but is that like it lost a bit of impact because i didn't know what yeah why and even like not knowing that is like the point of view of the character and he doesn't understand what is happening because yeah. he understands what's happening yeah he's not a child yeah yeah so it's kind of the like it's this kind of um, and it's okay she's kind of like just trying to get with him or whatever to give like get joe used to the yeah. idea it's the, or whatever yeah, I like think the, it's the you know it's the the catalyst for her behavior of, of yeah. the kind of the last straw kind of yeah. thing of this the idea of like the idea of not just going to like you know a difficult job of a job that could literally very easily kill you yeah and like of that you would do that and she knows why as well. I think that's like part of the like intelligence of her characters that she knows exactly what Joe is or not Joe um, Jerry is rather. Uh, so many J's, but um, 
um, like, and you know, probably has always known, or yep. at least has known for a long time. Is the and this is f- like finally now, you know, it's it's the break or whatever, and you know, like you know that correct causing her insane behavior. But I do know what you mean though of how the uh, yeah of, of involving like not just sneaking around yeah. with your man, but um, yeah. But I think you're right though that like it would all be solved by time, and you know, it was like restructuring or whatever, but. Just yeah, I can, I can, I can literally see the show. You know what yeah. I mean? I can almost see the credits. You know what I mean? And how like it would be just oh, you know, like three hours or whatever, but it would be. Mwah. And then like more time to dedicate like uh, his job in photography, that he gets a promotion and stuff. Yeah. That you have like this separate lives when you start having your own life yeah. as a kid. That you're like, oh, I'm good at something. Another thing like we could have that would have been given more time was his friendship with the girl. Yeah. Because that's something that, like, I, I was like, thinking about yesterday of how she, I think, just needed a little bit more. Because yeah. in the way that your man, the guy she had an affair with, um, feels very rounded, I would have liked more time yeah. with him with her. Yeah. I think even just because, like, that actress is really great. And, yeah, and just how he, re- like, relates to her as well. Like, God, that kid is uh, so fucking good. Well, like, uh, Mr. Miller gets around. The only thing limp about him is his leg. <laughs> Um, it was a really strange film to try to dissect in my head for the podcast because like there's nothing necessarily bad about it yeah but it's just a little bit off it and I don't know like even the with the Gillingall character like even not having him there for longer would uh, somehow work yeah I I think Gyllenhaal actually said that as well in that interview where he was like when they were looking at the edit and he was like somehow it almost works when there's less of him I think that's because then again we're talking about like actors who are able to like fully immerse themselves and are so they read a script and they get it yeah they get why their character is there and what their character is doing and adding and everything and how people are relating to them and like being able to talk about it I think he might is he well he's he was in prisoners with Paul Dino and yeah you know so I think they knew each other as well but um uh what was your favorite thing uh I think that it was um close-ups Mm. yeah i think that they they really emphasized the the right moments and the right punctuations like the editing did help i think that ironically the scene that i like the most is the one in mr miller's house mm. but at the same yeah, way, time i the... think that is the most problematic yeah uh i am um, it's almost like the like even her going back it was perfect mm. because of what is shown in the movie the like kissed or whatever and then if she fucked off oh, afterwards the kiss is like <gasps> oh but he, like if he had drove her home and then he went to bed and then she he just saw her mm. leaving the house again to go back to mr miller's house you had the same information let's say mm. but it's slightly more like for her character i don't know like uh it's strange because it's not that there's a problem that i can fix without more time it's not like a yeah. screenwriting issue <laughs> kind of thing and that's why it was like I thought as soon as the movie ended, it's like yeah, it needed more time. Mm. That's it. But what's your favorite thing? Um, probably the editing choices, because I think a lot of them are quite brave, and but they work really well. And it's, I, I think you know, it's it's a combination of a really good editor, but then a director who's willing to take that on board and yeah. go with it and i think he had a really good experience like not sure who the editor was but like really well, good. there's two editors but you know that they they worked really well and then it was quite and the, you know again the same kind of care of like but even that you know like they they shot all the cover you know the coverage of scenes and everything but like being able to like trust that and then like, even their actors seeing it and going yeah and it's it, i like that because it's the you know it's a filmmaking as a team sport yeah and when everybody is really fucking pulling their weight and really caring about the, the story and the performance and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can say I'm like, the fucking soundtrack is great. Yeah. Really good. Um, and like the art department, like all these things deserve shoutouts, I think. Yeah, like I think it's a very well put together movie. Mm. And uh, like it's kind of flawless in the way that it is made. You can't fault it in the, in that way. And um, yeah, and the performances and everything. Yeah, thing, yeah, like it's... It's one of those movies that you watch it and you go like, 
I've seen it before. But not in a bad way. Yeah, like it's kind of the... It's... it's so well made that uh, to a fault. Yeah. <laughs> Almost, you know what I mean? That it's kind of... <laughs> yeah, but it's not like it's... You know, I was saying I was, I was like drinking it in or whatever, but it's not uh, just the idea of like of uh, style or that it's a confection of just, you yeah. know, like it's... So it's like, what are you going to do? You know what it made me feel? Uh, mm. A better movie than Jeff Nichols. Yes. Yes. What's the one of his midnight fucking midnight special? Yeah, I didn't like that. Even though I mean, him working with the Michael Shannon, I fucking love Michael Shannon. But um, yes, actually, that's interesting because I I do like all his like I think Take Shelter, like for example, Take Shelter is a lot more problems than this movie has. Mm. But I think because it swings for defenses oh, way yeah. more, uh, I is it Jessica Chastain that's in that? Yeah, Jessica Chastain. Yeah. That was like the the movie that put her in the map, really. Yeah. But not like audience members wise, but more like uh, casting casting directors yeah, and, and directors, stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that, but again, it's one of those things that like you can't fault this movie for being better than Take Shelter. <laughs> but at the same time, is that I hope the same way that like Shotgun Stories is kind of safe. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that he does that, the the next step now kind of that thing. This like did well, and I think like, made, at least made its money back or whatever. And that you know he had the yeah the actors attached yeah. to it and stuff, and and got good reviews that it'll give him the opportunity to do something with. Yeah, and I like to see somebody with like a, a clear vision like he has mm. to like really do something different mm. because like I really like this movie and. Uh, yeah, like, I, I think that it's a very difficult film to make as well. So mm. that's why I was very impressed by it as well. But at the same time, it's like when you, as a first time director, like if it was it's further the down first, the career and yeah. you have something else, is that it, I think I reckon that because, like, I'm afraid because it was so successful. Yeah, it's like that first be, book syndrome, you know, yeah. it's the whole, your whole life goes on the Or then it, that it doesn't do fucking Beneath the Crystal Lake or whatever, that is like, yeah, <laughs> now you can have all the money the or whatever. Lake, beneath the, beyond Silver Lake. Silver Lake, yeah, yeah. yeah that, yeah. I see, I'm not like as, because I liked It Follows, but I thought that it fell apart, to be honest. I don't yeah. think that thing held together at all, even though it was really interesting. Uh, like, you know, seen premise, blah, 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 the kids were great. But yes, I'm, I wasn't like devastated, but a lot of people I think were yeah. really disappointed because that was such a fall from grace. It was like, you know, even your mind to Donnie Darko or, you know, it was like, yeah. But, um. How about his and Mike? You'll get another show. Uh, what was your least favorite thing? Uh, I think it was, um, well, I can't say lack of time because that's a different thing. It's not the movie yeah, you uh, can. problem. I'm going to say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, be lack of time, yeah, then, uh, because mm. there's every single problem that's that so the movie funny, has you is really, because. You really had that on, that on the head, which is funny because it's the kind of thing that, you know, we do say every so often about, of like, you know, things being primed for Attica for uh, a mini series in particular and um, I can't remember we haven't had one of those in a while but it didn't actually occur to me and uh, you're definitely you're so right like yeah and, he, and only in the, in the best way as well yeah. Like it, yeah because you want more yeah is that like it's one of those things that the execution that is so perfect it's it, not cluttered you yeah. know what I mean it's not like he tried to shove everything in there or you know what I mean it's just it just needs a little space it's like you got like a really good bottle of wine and you just poured it and drank it. You didn't let it breathe. Very good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't top that. Uh, that was wildlife. Thank you for choosing really, it. Like I really, really, because I really, and I was afraid, and I was like, ah, and I watched it again, and I was like, no, I was like, even I knew that I knew that that because I even I felt it myself that it just wasn't. You know, there was yeah. something missing. But at the same time, I was like, no, there's just there's too much here. It's too... Yeah. And let it be clear to everybody say, that are listening, like, that I did really love it and I recommend everybody to watch it. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's not a long movie and it's... It's yeah. so good that you wanted more. Like, yeah. and it's that kind of thing that is, like, it would have gone... Like, if it would have was done into a mini series, it would have been, like, I think, something, like, 10 out of 10. Mm. Well, this is, like, an 8. 
Yeah. Which is still great. Like, uh, I would never complain. I wa- like, if I watched this in the movie, in the cinema, I'd be like, that is money well spent. Yes. I am I am so mad I did not see this in the cinema. Yeah, me too. Oh, goodness. And I remember when it came out, I just, ugh, I don't know how I can get around it, but... Where can they find us, Orla? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Rec Game. You can email us at therecommendationgame at gmail.com. At, at. Uh, you can find us on Double Digital Radio on Mondays from 11 to 12. You can also find our back catalogue on our, well, on our SoundCloud. Uh, and also on uh, the Double Digital Radio Mixcloud and on your app of choice. Um, and you can also donate to Double Digital Radio on their Patreon, which is all very easy. And they have a lovely page and lots of details and stuff. So... Uh, yeah, so next week's movie is Ricardo's pick. What madness are we in store? Uh, we're watching uh, David Byrne's True Stories. <laughs> I'm per- I don't want to look anything up. Uh, cool. <laughs> Until then, I was Orla McNeilis. Now it's Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>